All right. Good morning, everyone. We are on day four of quarantine and we are on, I have lost track of how many podcasts we've done, but we're talking to Jean-Viev Rockdector, the CEO and co-founder of Grit Capital. And if you don't know Grit Capital, you should definitely check them out. I found out about them on Instagram which is not where you typically find out about uh, investor relations and capital firms, but they have an awesome and very, very educational and informative Instagram page at Grip Capital. And we're sitting down with Jean Viev today to learn more about really what's going on in Toronto right now, what's going on with TSX listed companies, and to have a conversation about companies kind of outside of the mining space, because I know we've been focused a lot on that the last couple of days, and there are a lot other things going on. So without further ado, Jean-Viev, thanks for uh, sitting down with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you, like me, are currently locked in your apartment in Vancouver, uh, although we're on other sides of the city. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy over the last uh, week or so? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, our firm couldn't be busier right now, and I think that that's because we actually set up our business uh, from the get-go uh, to be half online. So you're right. Like we live and breathe on social media and so do our investors, uh, investors into our clients' companies, not investors in Grid Capital. But like, yeah, there's investment advisors, if you can believe it, like even the older girls and guys out there in their 60s and managing money are now going on Instagram. Like I've got, you know, Canaccord brokers following what we're doing. Uh, I've got a couple of Canada's billionaires following what we're doing. And now more than ever, I think, given this quarantine period, it's going to allow people the time to know and learn how to use these platforms, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Instagram, and just get on there. So our business was set up from the get-go. We've never had an office, uh, and we don't, uh, we don't uh, have problems with technology. And half of our services to our clients are to digitally market them online. So, yeah, I, I think you make a really interesting point about this, I, don't, I guess this shift in the source of both uh, capital and information where it's coming from. I mean, we're a very similar business to you. We do 99% of our work online. I worked out of my living room for the first year and a half uh, of running Resource Insider. And, and we found that when we go into deals, we are very, very often... Uh, bringing in far more capital than some of the big name brand banks there and often multiple times what they're bringing in. And I think that's a reflection of, you know, what's going on in society in general, but also a reflection of people, I guess, perhaps being a little frustrated or a little disenchanted with the traditional model and looking for alternatives out there for information and opportunities. Yeah, I think, I think you're completely right. I, I think also the capital sources, we were talking about this this morning, small cap funds on Bay Street are disappearing. Um, that's a function of two things. One, so much more money is moving to passively managed funds and ETFs. Uh, so the necessity for active managers is going down. Uh, and two, I think also a lot of these portfolio managers are getting older and looking to retire. So you've seen mergers like Barometer and Roundtable to uh, kind of small cap managers in Canada. They just merged a couple weeks back. Um, you've seen some layoffs of some big portfolio managers even before this downturn. So active money is moving out of professionally managed hands and people are being empowered to find their own opportunities. And 
thankfully, the internet has democratized that process. So you can find whether it's, we were talking about this earlier, crowdfunding opportunities. You can, you can fund uh, startup companies, venture on the internet. Regulation A in the US uh, through the Jobs Act has allowed companies to raise up to 75 million from unaccredited investors. Um, and I think just like, the, you know, people are spending so much more time on their iPhones. And so the attention, the attention that you can get from these people on your, on their phones and like owning the mind share, that's where you want to be. Um, I don't think people are reading research reports as much as they used to. We were talking about this as well. Analyst reports. Like I managed money for eight years. I've barely read any of those reports. Uh, people want fast information. And they want it like they want to consume it in a digestible bite-sized way so you have to be very clever at how you um structure information and content make it entertaining and valuable at the same time yeah i uh i totally agree with that and you know you guys were the first ones i saw really that i think really leveraged social media uh, effectively for i'll call it canadian capital markets and since that time i've seen five or six other groups come out uh, with um, similar products, I guess we'll say. And I, you know, I think very few of them are doing it as well as you are, or I actually think very few of them are doing it well at all. And I think the way you guys have been able to very effectively uh, and efficiently encapsulate a message in the value of, of the value proposition of a company whilst also making it like fun and entertaining and kind of funny a lot of the time. It's uh, it's really well done. And I should have asked this question at the beginning, but can you give us like the 30,000 foot view of what Grit actually is and what you guys do? Yeah. So thanks for that. Grit is an investor relations capital market advisory firm based in Canada. So we're four of us. I'm in Vancouver. My business partner, Nicole, is in Toronto. And then we've got two others that work with us, a team manager and then a marketing a full-time marketing person. So essentially what we do in a nutshell is we tell the right story to the right people. What does that mean? So we do physical marketing. So back before Corona, we would put CEOs and companies on roadshows. So we put them in front of investors, whether that's hedge fund managers, whether that's uh, small cap funds, like we were describing family offices, retail brokers, high net, net worth individuals. I spent the better part of eight or nine years as a portfolio manager myself. So I already had established relationships with all of these money managers. They're my friends essentially. And so when we launched Grit Capital four years ago, we already kind of had a baked in audience where we could bring companies to meet these investors. So that's the physical side. On the digital side, you're completely right. We started an Instagram account four years ago, literally for shits and giggles. Like I realize I have complete freedom. Like I can say whatever I want about financial markets and I can craft it in a way that I would like to receive that message. Like I remember Can Accord used to write this note called the morning coffee or the morning brew. I, I'm not sure if they still do it, but it was like an excellent. Yeah, like, yeah, they still do it. They still do it. Yeah, so like that was kind of the, the genesis of, of, of my letter was like, let's make this fun. We're, this is small caps. Like, why does it have to be serious? It does not have to be serious. We're serious about our clients and our businesses, but the way we talk about them does not have to be like, we're in a freaking Goldman Sachs meeting on fifth Avenue. Like it, it, cause I just, I, when I manage money, I found that part of the business where everybody's trying to be so serious. 
not conducive to like information sharing and understanding of businesses. I found it uh, actually shackling, if you will. Yeah, well, okay, I think, and we're, get, we're getting into the weeds on this, so I don't know how interesting listeners at home find this, but you know what, too bad, it's my podcast. So I think what's happening is there's, this, there's the democratization of finance, which is going on right now. And that's the thing that I am most excited about because what's happening is you're eliminating the layers and layers and layers of middlemen that are clipping fees after fees after fees before the money goes from you know, the dentist in Missouri who put it into uh, some sort of mutual fund and it goes through all these opaque channels before it actually gets into a company's bank account where they can actually use it. And that's like, that's all gone now. Uh, or it, in many cases, it's all gone. And people uh, at home who have an interest in finance, an interest in investing, are able to invest directly into companies that they would never have been able to get into before, never even probably heard about. And they can do it relatively easily with filling out five minutes of paperwork and maybe reading a few articles and educating themselves on that. That's what we're focused on at, at Resource Insider. And we've seen tremendous appetite for that. And I think what you guys are doing is really good in terms of providing an education for people in that position as well who want to learn more about these deals. So it's, um, no, it's, I think it's a really exciting time. And I also think to your point that the over seriousness is, something people in our generation are a little more fed up with. I think we're used to seeing our public figures be quite candid, whether they're, you know, a fucking Kardashian, which is, you know, it is what it is, or like someone like Anthony Bourdain, who had a huge amount of fame, I think really just because he was a very authentic person that went out there and was himself and spoke directly and honestly and informatively about what he saw in the world. And I think were you, we kind of come, came up on getting our information from people like that and the overly rigid formalities uh, that would have been expected even 10 years ago, I think are kind of falling away. I don't know what your thoughts are on that ramble. I completely agree. I think that kind of over-polished, over-rehearsed, um, whether it's a politician or you know a CEO of a company, we don't trust that as much anymore. We trust because we've been raised, like you said, in this reality world, reality television, even, you know, the politics in the U.S., Trump is a reality show in, in himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They are attracted to that because it's real. Like to be able to showcase your successes, but your failures, to be right, but also be wrong, like lay it out on the table. Like I actually saw, so Silicon Valley, um, there's a guy in Silicon Valley, he wrote this article about like the best like hundred pitch decks in Silicon, in Silicon Valley and then like the best like pitches in Silicon Valley and one of them that was actually like very popular was when a CEO comes and does his presentation and actually right off the bat explains to you why you shouldn't invest in his company. Like literally says these are the five reasons why you should not look at my company or invest in it. Like these are the things that are wrong with it. And what that does is it actually disarms the investor on the other side of the table because instead of the entire time they're being pitched to, they're trying to figure out what's wrong with the company, he just told you. So now you can focus on what's actually right with the company. Why would I actually want to invest in the company? Because if you go on Bay Street, like I managed money for eight years, every single pitch deck looks so awesome. You know, all of the projections look amazing, but none of that actually ever comes true. So like how refreshing it is, is it to just like, Give the straight goods, you know, and I think your newsletter probably does a good job doing that because you have a voice, a neutral 
uh, non-biased voice where you're not being, you know, really paid by anybody to pick the companies that you showcase. No. Yeah. And, that, and that's right. And I think that's where our business model is. I think I'm going to say superior in a time where people have very, very high expectations of transparency. And the fact that we're very aligned with our, with our subscribers that we're not getting finders fees or commissions that I'm investing alongside them. And if it works, we make money. And if it doesn't, well, we don't. And that's, that's how it goes. So we should start talking about what I actually <laughs> asked you to be on here today for. And that's what do you see going on now today in Canadian capital markets? Um, how are you managing your positions, portfolios, working with your clients? And I guess what are your plans for the coming year on how to best manage a crisis that is changing very fast and we have very little idea or there's a lot of opacity about what's going on? Yeah, that's a very big loaded question. It's a very long question. I think right off the bat, uh, you know, I can just speak from the sectors that we've been working with. So cannabis has been, been a big one. So it's been huge winner over the last three years in terms of, you know, companies that have gone public and opportunities to have clients in the space. But now we come, have a come to Jesus moment where, you know, a lot of these companies are taking, you know, Massive write downs and, you know, executives are getting fired, et cetera, et cetera. No more financings are happening. There's probably going to be a bunch of M&A. There has been a bit of that, but you're not going to see that's that hype is over. So for, for the small cap market in Canada, for the investment banks, for the dealers, like that's goodbye. That's in the past. Um, so we've got a few clients left in that space, but we've stopped taking clients in cannabis over the last eight months. I've said no to probably two dozen companies that wanted to work with us just because I knew I couldn't provide the services. No investors wanted to meet with new companies. Uh, so that's that. Esports. Uh, Esports has been a weird one. Uh, you know, there was uh, a lot of hype out of the gate because it is such a big market. You know, it's bigger than Hollywood. It's bigger than the music industry. Um, and right now, especially as people are staying at home, we just posted this morning on Instagram, all these celebrities that, that are playing esports and it's booming uh, in this time. But from a, have any companies actually made people money standpoint on Bay Street, that hasn't happened yet. Um, so people are skeptical on esports right now um, until, until you get a winner in that space. I don't think anyone's gonna be coming out with new things there. Uh, FinTech, FinTech is huge. Uh, we work with Mogo Financial. Uh, we like what they're doing. They're the leader in FinTech in Canada. It's got about a million members. Uh, so that, I think that's an area where you're going to see more and more companies, especially, again, given this time, whether it's calendar banks online, consumer loans, iBanking, et cetera. I think this is going to continue to grow. Uh, mining. Mining, we started getting into the space. And that's predominantly just because we recently, you know, before the last little while had a run on gold and gold was, mm -hmm. was moving up. Lots of financings were getting done. Eric Sprott was writing a lot of checks into deals and, uh, you know, Bay Street was getting excited about it again. So we started looking into that area and we've got, we've got two clients now in the space. Um, but you know what, we play in the small cap arena and right now risk is off. And like you and I were just discussing, like, why are you buying a small cap stock when you can buy a large cap that just went on sale 40%, um, and you can get 8% yield on Scotiabank. Like that's just crazy. Right. So yeah. I think it's going to be risk off for now, but like, doesn't change the fact that like, we still have to keep working. We still have to keep doing stuff. We still have to keep adding value, you know, cause these companies are going to continue to 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting time, and we've been, you know, having some long days and nights here trying to figure out what to do best and how to advise our our members. And you know, we're really going through a period of chaos right now. And I think in times like this, the priority is liquidity, right? Everybody wants to have cash. Everyone wants to have money because there is no certainty. There is no safe asset. Everything is so ambiguous right now. It's chaotic. But I do think as the dust settles uh, with this, and if you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend you check out the podcast I did. Uh, I think it was yesterday with Marcel DeGroote, and he talks a bit about this at length, that this cannot go on forever, even insofar that you know human beings can't remain in a level of stress and isolation indefinitely. And even if coronavirus continues to exist, which it probably will for the foreseeable future, you know, people are going to start going outside. People are going to go back to work. People are going to have seen some or maybe many of their friends or colleagues infected and come out of it okay. And things will start to pick up again. And, you know, if I had to guess, I would, I would guess that's five to six months out, but that's really just speculation. But I think when we hit that point, we're going to go from liquidity to people wanting safety. And people are going to want to put money into things that are safe. They're not, you know, risk is off, as you said, I think for the foreseeable future. But like the safety stage, to me, the only, the only logical investment there is going to be gold. And I think we're going to see capital pile back into gold over the coming six months. You know, someone tell me if I'm right or wrong then, but that's what I'm preparing my portfolio for. And I would recommend that anyone out there has a look at physical gold and also the safe gold equities the silver Wheatons, the, or the Wheaton Preciousers rather, the Franco Nevadas, the Sandstorm Golds, the Onico Eagles, things that aren't going anywhere and are now on sale for half of what they were just weeks ago. Do you guys have any thoughts on mining or gold or where you might be positioning yourselves or taking on clients? Yeah, I mean, gold's been very frustrating. I think everybody in the gold space is like, okay, you have the perfect scenario for gold to work and it doesn't work. And the reason why is people are treating it as cash. They just want liquidity, so they're selling it, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's the frustrating point with gold. I, I agree with most of what you said, but I think you should, like everybody should remember that just as fast as fear takes over, so does greed. And I remember when I started managing money back in 2008 uh, or helping on a small cap fund, that didn't last for that long. Once we got things sorted out, liquidity started coming in the system. And especially in the mining space, there started to be all these private placements, tons of private placements. And at that time, when did we turn away from all the private placements? We did one, we started rebounding, and our fund ended up going up 175%. In this era where information moves super fast and uh, you can whip sauce I think you think about like what are NBC going to be talking about in three months? Like it's, we go from looking backwards to forward very quickly. So when earnings start coming out and they look like shit for all of these companies globally, no one's going to be talking about that anymore. They're going to be going like, wow, that was a one time, that was a one time blow up to the whole global supply chain and logistics and et cetera, et cetera. But then we're going to be talking about the recovery. And when you start talking about the recovery and the green shoots, that's when greed comes back in. So I agree with you. It's going to be tough times for a little here, but like, it's not going to be like this forever. And so 
There's a famous study that looked back at a hundred years. And if you missed out on nine days in the stock market, if you took your money out, you lost out on 50% of the returns. So I, I would be not looking to take money out here, but I would be doing like what you suggest. I would be high grading. So on, mar on days when the market's going up, I would be taking profits on some more speculative stuff that you don't understand or don't know and maybe cycling into larger cap things that might have a faster rebound. Um, so be buying those on down days perhaps. So I've been talking to different people about that and that's, that's an interesting perspective because so do you think some people are pulling out all their cash now and they're waiting for, I guess what they consider the worst of it to start redeploying. Do you think, are you kind of against that mentality and thinking you want to have your money in there right now and, you know, kind of suffer the ups and downs, but at least have it in there for when that uh, sort of run comes. Everybody in the world can call the tops and the bottoms. And um, I've been in the asset management business with my family for over 20 years. And my father, he managed about 600 million in client assets. He has 300 clients that are some of Canada's highest net worth individuals. And he never, ever recommends taking capital out of the market in times like this. It's always a high grading exercise. Move from small speculative to mid cap large, like just go up the value chain. But don't take money out of the market because you never know and you don't want to miss out on the returns. Another thing you can do is you can average into the market, right? So you deploy some capital and then drips are great. Dividend reinvestment plans. So if you buy Scotiabank at 8% yield today and you're getting dividends on that and you have your drip program on, well, guess what? You're buying Scotiabank, you're averaging in over this volatile period. So you're getting prices all the way through, up, down. But like, do you think two years from now we're going to be sitting here in the market? I, I, don't, I don't particularly think so. I don't think, I think we're going to be higher than we are today. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you have, to take, you have to take a long view on a lot of this. Um, and don't think that if it was that easy to, to call the tops and bottoms, then these hedge fund managers would be, you know, having re returns year over year. But like the yeah. hedge fund world never stay on top because you can't call these things. You can't call it's it. That's true. It's, I guess, when the most sort of well-financed and sophisticated investors in the world are routinely getting it wrong. So, you know, that's not the, those are not the people you want to be competing against and trying to beat. Exactly. All right. Well, Jean-Vierre, thank you very much for taking a few minutes out of your day and chatting. Is there anything else that you think our listeners should know no. about what's going on today or perhaps grit capital in general? Where can they check you guys out or learn more about what you're doing? I would say download Instagram at GritCap. Follow us on there. Um, we're doing a daily show every day too. Tune in, get to know us. Uh, we're, we like to highlight new sectors. So check us out and uh, you know, become friends. Yeah, I would echo that. I've been uh, talking to a lot of my subscribers about getting Instagram and most of them are old and they're very, very resistant to it. But I think you're going to find over the coming years that a lot more information is going to be available on the Instagrams and Twitters and who knows what else is going to be coming down the pipeline. So get on top of it. All right. Thanks a lot, Genevieve. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good day.